You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of October 23rd. I'm John Gibson, and with me late on a Saturday night is my buddy Jim Allen. How you doing, bud? Getting over that cold? Yeah, actually, I am. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I had a had a had a bad one, <laughs> a bad one. Like I thought I had, I thought I had COVID a couple yeah. times and been to three different doctors to you know to get topped up on my medicine and my testing and all. But I'm I'm pretty good now. Thank well, you. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, the, the the twins we had a little getaway planned, and and both of them took turns get sick, and so one day one was down, and the next day the other one was down, and then we came back. <laughs> well, that's you know that's life. That is as I'm as I say, I'm reading this book on on on, on spirituality, and life is suffering. So <laughs> enjoy it while you can. I am. Well, it was like. Uh, my wife and I were looking at each other. We were, again, just like you, hoping it wasn't the big C. And we're like, you know, if this is the case, we're not going to be able to drive back home and it's going to be terrible. But uh, well, apparently it was some stomach bug. Ironically, because of rules, because everything around COVID has rules. Mm. It's not like other illnesses. So, you know, in some companies, in some companies, if I were too sick to work, but not sick enough, uh, too sick to be in the office mm-hmm. and commute, but not sick enough that I couldn't be alert and working from home, the company would would say, "Yeah, okay, work from home." But in other companies, they would say, "Well, that's against our rules." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in those companies, because of COVID, because of COVID rules. They have to let you work from <laughs> yeah, they, they have to go you know, against they company they policy. Yes. Exactly. They've got a rule that requires essentially requires them to do. So I was half hoping I had COVID. There you go. So, let me work from so home. I people. could work from home if I wasn't feeling enough to, well enough to go to the office. And now you need a doctor's note that says you have it, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> to prove it. Yeah, it's funny. I know. It's funny. All right. Well, my boss, my, well, I, I can't say that. Oh, did I, already, I already blew that one. Okay, yeah, that was the day job. All right, well, <laughs> so, good thing they don't listen. Hey, on this week's show, we don't have a guest, so we can discuss the CLCS and the PLCS and mm-hmm. hit a couple notes and dive right into some more high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right, so uh, truth be told, Jim and I both went out about a week ago to try to get an interview at Zozo Marine Stadium on Sasaki Saturday. That was uh, October 14th. And I had some daddy duties that slowed me down and Jim wasn't able to grab anyone either. So that uh, gives us more time to handle high heat, which, you know, we've been getting a lot of high heat, which is cool. And uh, so we'll swing at that, swing away at that high heat, see if we don't strike out. <laughs> but uh, let's go right to the uh, playoff series. The playoffs have been decided. In fact, the Japan series matchup has been decided as... Mm-hmm. Just a few hours ago, the Oryx Buffaloes finished off the Chibalote Marines, and they are going to the Japan Series for the third consecutive year. And that's quite an impressive feat, if you ask me, just uh, just getting there. I know they're one and one right now, so they have a chance to be two and one in the past over the past three years in the Japan Series. But uh, 
their their partners in crime didn't make it this year. It could have been three consecutive seasons with the same matchup, and Yakul uh, Swallows were not up to the task. So this is this should be fun to have this Kansai Derby. And I saw some chatter on Twitter, and and actually I mentioned it early on because I had seen a note about it being 1964 since uh, there was a Kansai Derby in the Japan Series. And blah blah blah, and then there were there was some chatter about what teams were considered Kansai and all this stuff. Hey, that's what they're saying. So the other teams no longer exist. Okay, <laughs> they're all to, not all of them. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. it is the first uh, Kansai series in in since 1964. And as I what a great out, year! One of what? your best. What a, what a great year! One of your best friends was born that year. Yeah, I heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> although although this happened this happened before you were born oh so yeah yes yes take that junior i didn't say at the same time i just said I, the same year but hey you know details huh? you want to bring the details yeah up, they moved ahead. although they moved the they they played with the date of that series uh to not coincide with the 1964 that's tokyo cool. olympics that's correct yeah. Uh, so, and it was because of the Olympic. It was like at uh, more or less the same time as the Olympics. There was basically, I think, they had one of the lowest Japan Series attendances at one of those games. It was really pathetic. But well, thanks, uh, yeah. thanks for bringing up the bad part. But anyway, all right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that was the thing. And somebody said, you know, somebody made it sound like, wow, how rare this is. And I says, well, it shouldn't be rare because in the you know, the 59 years since 21 Kansai teams have 21 teams of Kansai teams from the Pacific League have gone to the Japan series. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it makes it, you know, it makes it sound like neither side's trying, but you know, it's all, it's pretty one-sided and they'll say, well, yeah, well, there were three of them. Okay. There mm-hmm. were three of them. Well, since 2005, when there was one in each league, it's three and three and even three and three. Three and three. Okay. So, yeah, the Hanshin Tigers from the Central League will meet the Orcs Buffaloes in the Japan Series, which starts, I believe, next weekend. I was looking at the schedule. So, so, yeah, we've got a whole week. And I'm not going to I'm not going to games one and two, but I will be covering it from game three. Okay. And the, it's so convenient, right? You can stay in the same hotel. Exactly. And go to all the games. It's so awesome. So, I, did yeah. have, I do have to cancel my reservations because... The boss wanted to go cover two games. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's start with the PLCS, the, the first stage. I think that was the uh, the most exciting one. Uh, that was the, indeed. That was the that other was, one. That was quite exciting. Finished up in two games. So so we did have uh, Doki Sasaki sighting, albeit brief. And that was, uh, like I said, a week ago today. So that was the 14th. And he pitched opposing Carter Stewart Jr. of the Hawks in game one. And you know, Jim and I bragged about how I had gotten some aspects right when we talked about the matchups. And we did only briefly talk about the matchups last time because we really weren't even sure what was going on. But I, I just said the inconsistency, inconsistency had doomed the Hawks this whole season mm-hmm. and the Marines had outlasted them and and a lot of things. And that's what happened mm-hmm. in this series. The, the Marines won that first game. The Hawks bounced back with a win in the second game. And then on Monday night, we just had this wild game. Maybe it's probably going to replace uh, that uh, that Chunichi no hitter that wasn't turned into a walk off home run fest for the Dragons. That was my favorite game right. up to this point. But this was a wild one. This was uh, 
we had a scoreless game through nine innings and I was messaging with Jason Koski of the Japan Times, our buddy, and I was complaining that Masato Yoshi, the Ricky manager for Lotte, wasn't really pushing his best arms. And what I meant by pushing, for instance, you know, keeping Naoya Masada, I know he can be a um, he can be like uh, cooking a sausage, right? Sometimes you get this big pop <laughs> when you're cooking a sausage, and uh, and that that could be the home run that he gives up. But I, I I just thought that he 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 had more than three outs in that arm, maybe four, maybe five, maybe even six if you want to push it. If he's if he's looking good, but he was throwing really well that day. I, I thought they could have thrown him another inning. I kept saying, hey, look, you know, this is a game three. There is no tomorrow. If you don't win, where's Noki Sasaki? He threw a bullpen the other day. He threw 41 pitches. Give me a break. He could be out there for it. He could get you an out. He can get you a couple outs. You know, let's get these guys going. Let's fire this thing up and, and act like you meet it. And on the other side, the Hawks were were sending out better relievers. But then they started sending out guys. I, I started saying, whoa, you know, what what's going on here? And it just seemed to me that everybody was casual with this whole thing. They say, hey, these are the guys who got us here in some aspects and we're going to put them on the mound and blah, blah, blah. The, you know, yeah, the, the, that's, yeah, that's excuses. I mean, you, you I didn't they're like out it. there because you think they can get outs. I didn't like and, it. And the whole excuse is, oh, well, you know, that's you, what you really want to say is, oh, I did it because that's what I do, which is maybe true. But you also did it because you think they can get outs. but. You know, either way, you've got an excuse. There's got this is Japan. You got to have an excuse. Well, you know, I love that saying that says you dance with the one you brought. Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe I, this is your first date, and you found out. You know, the 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 dance your dance partner has two left feet, <laughs> and you don't want to dance with this person anymore. I mean, now I'm not saying because they obviously know what they brought to the party, but you don't know how guys are going to react sometimes in a high pressure playoff high leverage situation that's different too so uh, i'm not sure and you don't really know and and you don't really know i mean there's no guarantee that it you know the guy that it works yeah yeah that it's going to work either so the interesting thing to me was the blame there was this story and i you know you i think it was somebody who had an idea whose idea wasn't listened to in the Hawks coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Ah. And the idea was let's have our closer pitch the 10th inning after he got three easy outs in the ninth. And then as soon as, and I think what happened was the people who wanted that and didn't get it, didn't happen, started making up stories mm. as, as this happens. You know, people, and I don't think it was stories to pin blame on people, but it was stories to explain why what they wanted didn't happen. Same, it's the same effect. <laughs> yeah. But I'm guessing one of the coaches said, let's do this. And it didn't happen. And so the coach was looking for answers, and a reporter reported it like this happened. And I'm going, gosh, this is like repeating what American congressmen say in committee meetings is fact. <laughs> you know it's like the connection with the truth is very you know the only truth is they open their mouth and stuff came out <laughs> hashtag hi because you know, there's, no, there's no constraint on what they say they're not under oath so that's that so that was sort of report and it became the 
what was it i i'm not going out story which which was that there was some story that their closer was asked to to work the 10th and he said it's not my contract i'm not doing it which he later said his agent said no that is not the case and the manager said that was not the case and so you know but it was one of those things people printed it and i think that was in the that was in the aftermath of hiroshi the next day uh, that night actually hiroshi fujimoto the hawks manager said i'm out of here yeah and then the next day the announcement came yeah uh, sounds like a case of he said he's hit it stronger I think, <laughs> uh, uh, okay well uh, we can talk about that one later but uh, it is interesting to me how that happened um the only the only thing I would comment I don't I know very little about Fujimoto because I was shocked at what an old school kind of kind of old fart style of baseball he adhered to. Mm. And speaking with one of the PL trainers who I've known for longer than I care to admit, <laughs> told me that yeah we you know we all talk you know things have changed the last 10 years all the trainers pretty much talk to each other and they know which teams are sort of like up like into new ideas and which ones are like looking for stone tablets to t- teach them how to how to do stuff and they said fujimoto's like old school old school all right and and the only thing and what the only thing i'm going to take from that at this point is and I, I'm not going to say anything wrong with it, but I'm going to say managers can set a tone within a team. They can they can help make the team a really good working environment, okay. or they cannot. And I don't think he made it a bad one, but there's a difference between going to the office, going to a gray office, and going to one where everything is a joy. And your pain and suffering is accepted and part of the p- process, and everybody's into it. <laughs> and I'm guessing that the Hawks were not one of those workplaces this year. Uh-huh. Seems they like had to, yeah. you know, Maybe they that... had to do the all the everybody had to do the, all the extra little motivational stuff on their own. There was no extra vibe going on yeah. because well, the manager I'll... was old school. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think that's just you know being behind the times gives you that you know can might have kept them a little bit behind the the the, the edge right all right well i, anyway. I wanted to get back into the game but okay, I, I, I understand what you're saying because it seems like we saw that reflected in some of the 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 play that it was just disjointed sometimes or it seemed to be or it just seemed to be confusing but anyway uh so on this game this game on monday night uh like i said scoreless through nine innings and then uh like i said i was complaining about the pitching to jason and uh, right when I started to complain and and say you know this this is a this is just a bad matchup and all these kinds of things why don't they go out and uh, and try to get this out this particular batter out instead of just hoping that the pitcher gets them out but anyway uh, the floodgates kind of opened and the Hawks scored three runs in the top of the tenth inning and I thought okay this is over and of course the first two runners reach in the bottom of the frame and then. Yuki Tsumori, who had, you know, not really done well this season. I mean, he was one of those kind of faceless pitchers with the Hawks. He he hadn't done terrible, but he hadn't done yeah, well. He's, he's one of those guys where you if you if you watched him, mm-hmm. if you watched him twice a week, you could think he's either the worst pitcher in the world or the best. 
Right. <laughs> because he'll come out and he'll face three guys and they they don't know what hit him. Yeah. And other days it's like, can this guy ever get an out? Yeah. You know, well, just, yeah. The the problem this no was the answer in this night. He didn't get anybody case, out. No. And uh, and uh Yudai Hujioka, who had really finished the, I guess the let's say let's just make it the last month of the season, he had played well for the he did Marines indeed. And, and and he hits a three-run bomb and the score is tied. And then the, the next runner reaches, and then he said Nori Yasuda hits a ball in the gap in the uh, to right field. And I think it was uh Hiromi Oka who's pretty fast and he gets around and comes all the way around from first to score the, the game winner to walk off. And you know, I just had to think it was pretty disappointing for for the Hawks and the fans to have the season end that way when they didn't send their best guys out there to, to try to get the, the job done. But I mean, that happens, especially in an extra inning situation. I, I, I really, you know, I always, as a longtime fan of teams that don't make it to the, to the playoffs or to the last game, my ultimate way of having the teams that beat my team or the teams that I don't like suffer in the postseason is to have them play this long drawn out extra inning game in which everyone on the bench is is basically forced into action and that tells you which team is actually better because it's not the first 10 guys or the guys who start it's it's the whole group on the bench plus the managers and coaches all working together to tell you which which teams are the best so i guess it came close to that. It came close to both of those teams suffering. But I think in the end, I think the Hawks fans and teams suffered the most because I don't think they had their best showing, you know, in that situation. So that's yeah. the way it goes sometimes. No, so anyway, it looked, so, very, it looked very much like their season. Right. Uh, and I, I thought that whole series, uh, I, in the, of the two first uh, climax uh I even hate that word, the playoffs first two stages that I thought the Marines just so outclassed them in the first two games. It was like nobody even, you know, the okay, well, the Hawks came back and they won one, mm-hmm. but they didn't look like the better team. No, they didn't. In this entire series. And the only time they looked like the better, the, the, the one instant when they looked like a better team was at the end of the top of the 10th inning on Monday. Correct. Right, when it looked like they were going to get through. So yeah. for about 30 minutes, they for about 10 minutes, they looked like the better team in Chiba. Right. So then the uh, second seed of Marines move through to the second round, and they go to Osaka to play the Orcs Buffaloes. And what were your impressions for game one? We'll just go quickly uh, and give our impressions and then move along through this one. But this was a quick uh, series, obviously. Yeah, nightmare. <laughs> yeah, nightmare for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. It's yeah. like... I, I don't think I, I have never seen a team get more mileage out of bad contact in my life. Yeah, the, the final was eight five. The Oryx Buffaloes won it, but, but Yamamoto, yeah, he gave up three runs in the first inning and really and I wasn't think, hit. I think he was tired. Well, he, I, he, you know, I, I would say that, except that, uh, you know, they had, some, they had some time off. But I, I would just say this he wasn't sharp, and I think it was he wasn't hitting his spots like he usually does. And no. he left, he left. After seven arduous innings, and I couldn't believe he well, got through. Well, the last through. inning was tough. Yeah, yeah the I last can't inning he, was grueling. I can't believe he got through seven, and you know he had allowed ten hits, two walks, and hit a batter among yeah. among other things. So well, yeah, he was not. He was yeah, not but the hits were like 
Yeah. I mean, and the reason I thought he was tired was because in the first inning, it it, it could have been a, a Gregory Polanco double and he stays on base. But the thing was two balls that go back to the middle that I think he's going to catch most of the time. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. And, you know, it was comebacker city and he couldn't catch anything. And that's unusual for him because he's a really, you know, he's a typical, he's a, a typical good defensive Japanese pitcher. Mm-hmm. Right. It looked like they got four arms out there, like, <laughs> like a Hindu God. And uh, he couldn't come up with nothing. So that was unusual. But the Marines had that. I, I called it the, the lucky Lotte Marines mojo going because it was everything they were hitting. Pretty much, every, I mean, Polanco's ball was well hit. I mean, yeah, credit, you know, he put a good a good swing on it. But most of them were just, you know, a ball bounce hitting off the barrel, uh, flares and bloopers and seeing eyeballs. It was it was a pretty it was which is a off word, but anyway, it was it was a pretty uh, depressing output. <laughs> you know, for ten hits, I'm thinking like five of them were like. <laughs> were like deserved yeah so yeah anyway so i i did watch i watched pretty much every single at bat and i'm going "Mm, eh, uh, yeah mm, mm." some okay the pitches were not as sharp as they were but his location was not was not terrible his some of his pitches were really good and he he made some good pitches that they did put they they somehow got the bat on the ball and somehow it found a hole but uh it was not a you know it was not a horrible. It was not a horrible game from him. I mean, I've seen him pitch. I've seen him pitch much worse than that and give up far fewer runs. Yeah. Okay. And but the, the offense showed a lot of depth, or the lineup showed a lot of depth, and they scored eight runs. I think uh, uh, Kotaro Kudebayashi was really good in this game. Yep. Drove in three runs. So yeah. So they win. Uh, and then we move on to game two, and I was surprised that it was Taisuke Yamaoka out there in a save situation. So the game, yeah, he's been he's they've uh, he's been using three guys uh, at the end of the season. Nakajima was using uh, he used Yoshihisa Hirano, who's his number one, but he would often rotate them between Hirano, Soichiro Yamazaki, and y- Yamazaki, uh, so, yeah, Yamazaki, and in Yamaoka at the end and sometimes Yuki Utagawa on on occasion but those he he pretty much used the other guys to spell Hirano mm-hmm. and he wouldn't often pitch him day after day right. although I think I think game two <laughs> absolved him of that, yeah. that notion yeah so the Lotte they score two runs in the ninth inning and they turn a game turn the game around they win it six five and uh, you I'll have to keep in mind there's a one win advantage for the home team. So Buffalo's came in already up one nothing in the series and one. And it's game another one, game so they, where so they where were Lotte up two nothing. Yeah. It's another game where Lotte really didn't hit the ball very well, but they scored a bunch of runs. So. Yeah, yeah, and so but and but good base running too. I'll say good base running and good defense. Mm, they did play some. Yeah, the, that was really the game two was really Hiromi Oka's uh, game. Because Oryx's uh, big inning that they had is going to be a monster inning if they don't get a leadoff out on a uh, on a sinking line drive. Mm-hmm. Because the next four guys all tag the ball, mm-hmm. so it's a five run inning instead of a four run inning. So 
Okay. Well, yeah, I had three. Oh, three, it was a three run inning instead three of a four-run inning. Yeah, gotcha. Me. Okay. All right. So, yeah, so that was a fun game. And then uh, game three, the next night, it's it's 2 nothing. Uh, and this was an interesting one for me because, yes, uh, it was a close game. Uh, it was the eighth inning when the runs came across and the, and the Buffaloes won. But I thought, you know, where is Sasaki? Uh, again, he had thrown a bullpen <laughs> on the previous Saturday. It's Friday. Let's get him out here. It's, it's the playoffs. And my first thought was, okay, we've been talking about how they've been babying Sasaki all this time. Maybe it's a mutual agreement. Maybe there's this player side saying, hey, you know what? I don't want to be used this often. I don't want to be used for this many pitches. I want to have my own per pitch count. And maybe because I've been thinking the, the usage is, is really weird. It, they're babying him too much and they have to think about winning. And the fact that they're not thinking about winning in times that I, they need to think about winning makes me wonder. So. I don't think so. I think Sasaki has more of the, I think it's ca it's caution because my take on Sasaki is he really wants to be out there playing all the time. Sure. And he doesn't really like that. But on the other hand, you know what it reminds me of? The, the nonsense that comes out of Masato Yoshi's mouth when he's talking about Roki Sasaki. Not all the time. But on occasion, when we haven't seen him for a while, is exactly the nonsense he had programmed coming out of his 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 mouth in two thousand the summer of two thousand sixteen, when Shohei Otani he was the pitching coach for the Fighters and Shohei Otani uh, had a blister. He okay. had a blister in the begin at the end of May. I think, or the, the middle of May, and we didn't see him for like, he didn't pitch for like a month and a half. <laughs> and he'd go throw bullpens, and Yoshi would say, oh, yeah, yeah, he threw a bullpen. Well, is he going to pitch? <laughs> but you see that's why it seems weird to me that it, we would be going through this kind of a song and dance now because they need to win there's no doubt in a playoff situation you need to win games well i think there's a reason well that's what i'm saying i'm saying i think it's mutual i think there's, i think there's i think, some, on I both think there's sides. some fitness issue to be honest all right well Whatever because it is, that's I think that's what it is. Because uh, all, all the, of course, the other thing is he also knows he's got to win. I mean, you can't, of course, obviously you can't lose this game, but you can't lose three games. You can't even tie through one game in three. So you got to win them all. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, and so they had a bullpen game, and and I was amazed. I, I thought, okay, well, whatever happens in this series, because again, the, the, the bullpen game was to stretch out that rotation, but yeah, yeah, because Sasaki wasn't throwing. But um, yeah, I think whatever happens in this series, we we are going to know that the Marines threw everything else they had at them. They didn't throw Sasaki, but they threw everything else. Um, there were two kitchen sinks and a bathtub in there, so uh, they were trying. Which makes it all the more weird for me. But anyway, it does. That but was that was the, the big takeaway. Was. Yeah, that was the big takeaway. I wasn't. It wasn't about the game and the outcome. It was you know where is Sasaki, and then you, we get the announcement uh, later in the evening that he's that Atsuki Tanichi Tanichi 
uh, is going to pitch in 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 game four. And I'm like, well, I'm now my hands are in the air. Right. I'm like, okay, it's it's, it has been a week. He threw a bullpen a week ago, 41 pitches. This is Sasaki Day. Where is my Sasaki? And plus, you should be saying the same thing, Lote, because you're down in the series. And if you lose tonight, the series is over. And what happens? They lost tonight. Again, putting up a good fight. It was three to two. They lost. Series over. Hanshin and Oryx are going to dance in the uh, Japan series. So it was just weird. And the the add-on to that, and of course, we still don't know what was weird about Sasaki. Uh, I mean, we've heard reasons why Shohei Otani wasn't pitching that summer. Afterwards, Kuriyama said, Hideki Kuriyama, the manager, said, oh, I wanted him to bat. But they were telling us why he couldn't pitch. And that's why, uh, you know, so there were all these reasons. And I think the re- the real reason was the shoulder that he eventually had surgery on Okay. after the 2020 season, uh, 2019 season. And I think that was probably the reason that was probably what um, ruined his um, his 2016 summer. So I think there's an issue going on that they kind of didn't want to make a big deal about in public. With All right. Well, Sasaki. I mean, he did throw in his bullpen, you know, which it was he doubled, did, but... doubled as a game one of a series. Uh, <laughs> he did throw three perfect innings and I and 41 pitches and struck out four. I, I didn't I mean, I'm not a doctor. I was there. He looked good to me, but he looked better if than a, if there he is a fitness better issue, than he has all year. Yeah, if there's a fitness issue, I'll have to believe them. And but uh, I want to, I want proof. Um, yeah, but that's a, you know we're in that same thing. All we've gotten from Yoshi is <laughs> or actually which, a Japanese version thereof. Which, well, yeah, which I'd love to say sounded good at the time, but no, <laughs> it really doesn't. Hey, we used to do that all summer in 2016. We we'd go to Yoshi if he was at a vault. We were at the ballpark, and he'd go, he'd rest his uh, chin in his his hand and go, <laughs> "What are you eating, son?" All right. <laughs> All right, let's move to the Central League. And so uh, the first round of the CLCS, we did not see Trevor Bauer. And uh, we heard that he was ready and he never got to throw a pitch. But uh, the Bay Stars lost in two to the Carp uh, on Saturday and Sunday, uh, Hiroshima sweep. And the only takeaway from this quick series was, I thought, the managers. And this is, I guess, true for both leagues because managers were just timid. It seemed like at times they were timid especially with the moves and trying to get uh, uh, how they were using the pitchers at times. But uh, again, you and I were both uh, on the mark in different areas. I said that the the base stars were going to be aggressive on the bases. And in fact, I think they tied the score in game two in the seventh inning on a sacrifice fly that really wasn't, uh, it was practically base running suicide. It was yep. not a there sacrifice were a few fly. This, this, there were a couple of those this week. And yeah, really, but they just had really, take, really good base running. Well, they had to take chances and they did. And then you said that some of the guys were going to come off the bench and be productive for the carp in key situations. And that was also true. So the carp kind of pretty much eased through this series and i wouldn't say i'm saying that because it was in two but the games were close and and i joked the games that it... were close and i didn't think the carp were like even you know this was the series where i thought i thought dna was actually the better team yeah but you know and... you've got to score and that was their problem yeah and yep. uh uh three two was the score in the first game 
and then 4-2 in the second game, but really close. And I and I had joked that uh, all three games could be extra inning games, and they practically were. The first game was an extra inning walk-off for the Carp. The second game ends up being decided in the eighth inning. Yeah, I'm surprised, in and fact, that every CL, every CL game this uh, week wasn't an extra inning game because they were all close. Yep. None of them, none of them, none of these teams look really all, all that much better than the other. Yeah, and I did I did also ma- mention the fact that DNA had to field the ball well and they they got, the team got burned by a couple of infield hits but I I don't think there were any infielders in Japan who could have turned those those batted balls into outs in a couple of situations. It wasn't because they were not fielding the ball well, it was because they were well-placed infield hits, but I think they got they got creamed by about four or five infield hits in this series. It just mm. And they came at the worst possible times, you know, the leadoff yeah. innings, late in games, and extra well, that's what I meant. That's like that. they had the, they had like that Marines magic going. The Carp <laughs> did. I'm looking at these hits, and I'm going, "You got to be kidding me!" You know, <laughs> based on like this, what, what are my, you supposed to do my, about this? My stuff? friend in college, my friend in college, always said, you know, if that hit were a fish, if you were out fishing and you caught a fish that looked like that hit, you'd throw it back. You know, indeed, indeed. <laughs> those, that's what they were. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so the the Tigers get through. Um, let's go through these games. I, you know, we don't have to go through game by game per se, but it, what was your impression? Uh, like same, I said, it was like a, it was it was a continuation of the Bay Star series. It was two teams that made a lot of bad con. It was two teams making a lot of bad contact and all their runs are uh, well, although the carp did better in that regards, but the, they had the, you know, uh, the interesting one was game one was Shoki Murakami. Yeah, a 4-1 one, one win for the Tigers, and that was right. on Wednesday. So it's tied. It's tied 1-1, one, one, and, and Murakami, it, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say this because the game, they would have, regardless of what happened to the ball Murakami hit, but it was good base running by the Tigers, like like with the Marines and their luck, the luck of the bounce, the batted ball. The same thing happened with the Tigers. They had good base running, which has been one of their things this year. And they got some really lucky breaks with batted balls. Mm-hmm. And Shoki Murakami, the I think there was there a wild pitch or something. Anyway, there's runners on the runner on third base. So so they bring the infield in and the carp were just dogged by bringing the infield in and then the outfield in and every, you know, whichever way they pulled their infield, the ball went over it or in front of it or behind it. <laughs> you know, it was just that Murakami hits a, a shot to first base that a normal first baseman playing at normal depth is going to make an easy out. And, be, and because it was hit so hard, if they were at normal depth, he's probably there's not going to be a play at the plate because it was a it was a it was a shot mm-hmm. but because you've got a, a basically a minor league first baseman who's played i think four or five games <laughs> on the first team uh playing very close uh with a runner on third the ball shoots past him for a double and that's a three-run inning and your goose is cooked yeah, and he pitched well. He and he allowed, pitched well. He allowed a run over six innings, three hits, three walks were concerning going forward if he's going to do that. But it was a strong effort, and and I yep. was just I was just kind of surprised because I was wondering who was going to get the start for the Tigers in that first game. Who are they going to mm. designate as quote unquote the ace? And you know, uh, it was uh, 
no hit, no run, no hit, no hitter, perfect game guy, Murakami. And I thought, hmm. And so we go to game two. Uh, the Tigers ended up with a walk-off victory, but it was lefty Masashi Ito, who was also good on the mound, seven yes. innings, one run allowed, five hits, uh, and he walked two. And you get Sei Akinami with the walk-off uh, hit, he wins it. But remember I said, Akinami, I kept wondering, why was this guy shoved out of the shortstop position? Why did they want, uh, as soon as they saw a few good results from Takumu, Nakano at short. Why did they decide to throw him in and throw Kinami away? I really liked him as a player. I liked him defensively. And here he is. He ends up being the series MVP. Uh, he batted 500 in the series and he played really good defense at short. And, you know, I like this guy. Uh, again, I'm not sure why they uprooted. They since obviously put him back at short, put Nakano at second base, and they're in the Japan series. Just listen to John is what he's trying to say. <laughs> well, I think there was a I, there was a feeling about when they he was a rookie, and there were two there were there were three actually really good rookies on the Tigers that year, and two and none of them and and all and it was like the defense is a problem, so they sort of blamed the rookies. <laughs> all yes. of them. Yeah, well, except Chikamoto, I don't think they blamed him for much. I'm looking and at... they basically Nakano was supposed to be was the cat's meow, and then they decided, no, okay, we've had it with you. <laughs> I <don't> even... <laughs> but I don't remember exactly, but they got yeah, they got sent to the goo he got sent to the gulag and Kinami kind of got the same fate. You know, it's like when they couldn't solve their defense problem, let's just get rid of the shortstop. Yeah. <laughs> Let's blame it on him. But yeah, yeah. the Tiger stuff doesn't always, it's not always supposed to make sense. And it didn't, it didn't. So, uh, yeah, um, that, you know, that was the big thing for game two is I'm like, you know, Kinami, here he is on a big stage and and he's doing well for them. And I, and I really enjoy that. And then game three ends up being 4-2. The Tigers close it out. Uh, they sweep. And again, they start with the one game advantage. So they sweep the series for nothing, but the three games on the field. And uh, what two hits in this game for Kinami, and then he got to he helped them get to Hiroki Tokoda, who had functioned at the car as the Carps ace, I guess, this year because he was really good, yeah, but he wasn't great. And then no. he couldn't get Kinami in the sixth inning, and that ended up being the go ahead run. And that's basically the game because yeah. the Tigers played really good defense of, and they again, pitched well again, you know, kind of weak dribbling contact and the guy who the guy i think who i just loved was a shota Morishita. what a he had a, he had a really kind of understated series but uh, i don't think the, it was understated i thought he was i i mean he no, wasn't I mean, spectacular but it he was, was not spectacular but, but I he thought was, it was really bigger. i thought it was bigger than it looked in the numbers agreed you know the catch he made the run saving catch and and his his series was a little bit like uh Yutaro Sugimoto's with the with the Buffaloes. You know, he makes a big catch, he gets a big hit. And people were Hiromiokas, you know, big catch, big base running stuff. And a lot of these little guys had, you know, had big contributions uh, that were really fun. I enjoyed both of these series, but the Tigers carp left me with a feeling that, well, I guess one, I guess one feeling was man does 
Takahiro Arai really love to intentionally walk guys. Because <laughs> that was the that was the game two one because it, he he it's you know if he he must have been going wow this is a magic trick every time I intentionally walk somebody we get out of an inning and then it cost him the game. Well, yeah, <laughs> it is a a tightrope situation, but um, I don't know. I, I like the way he handled the game. I didn't. I mean, I don't. I don't think Okada did anything very spectacular. He's yeah. just like I think we talked about it during the season. He just has a feel for. He's kind of that Bruce Bochy style of manager. He has a feel for his players. Uh, he understands the opponent very well and and puts his players in good positions to uh i i don't want to be cliche here but he puts his his players in good positions to do what they do yeah he's he is definitely a guy who uh as i said he's very straightforward he he's really good i think at simplifying things a lot of guys make it complicated he tries to simplify things and he's you know this is what we're going to do and then if it doesn't work okay we'll do something else but this is the plan right it's not really what he does isn't rocket science. Nope. But it's, you know, being simple and straightforward is is a huge advantage. Having a plan that people understand, you know, is really is 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 I think that and and his ability, of course, and his ability to deal with the media positively and basically tell them to go, <laughs> you know, put their ink put their pens where it'll do the most good well yeah he's a mumbler anyway i don't think a lot of people understand what the heck he's saying in the first place there were times but he's just full of cookies i i i just love him (laughs) because he's so direct and he's so you know if he gets if you know sometimes he doesn't have an idea and he tries to make it up as he's going along yeah it seems like it seems like he just woke up he's rumple stilt skin he just woke up and somebody asked him a question like what year yeah if it comes (laughs) like what year is it um I don't know. Maybe we'll just hey, get the ball. You know, I mean, <laughs> hey, wait till you're 63 because it'll happen okay. to you. You got me. <laughs> and um, but no, he'll. you know, people people do catch him when he gets caught and he doesn't really quite get the point. Sometimes he'll wing it. But generally, if you ask him a question directly, he's really simple and straightforward and i always i just always enjoy listening to his stuff because of that when i mean when he's talking about something as opposed to something abstract when he's saying yeah. that's something concrete i've always enjoyed uh the stuff and uh yeah so anyway so more power to them i did enjoy that uh it was it's going to be great fun all right, so Japan series is going to be great fun. Speaking of, it's going to be fun. So, uh, I mean, we didn't get a chance to be because we we really didn't know the matchups, but uh, we can look at the Japan series here. And yeah, I really have liked Hanshin all season. And from the start of the year, I said, look, I really like this team. I just I don't trust it. Uh, there, there, there's always something that catches the team, whether it's, you know, you people, I I don't believe in curses. I don't believe in all these other ridiculous things that people say. I think it's just an excuse for bad managing, bad playing and uh, bad decisions in the front front office that happen year over year that compile and end up being a collection of, I guess, mediocrity. I, but I don't think curses are, are real. No. I, I I just I don't go for that. And then, you you know, you can talk about 
don't oh good i can get rid of this necklace of garlic yeah, don't, don't say okay. the word no hitter when a team's playing I, I don't i don't believe that the only people who can affect or impact anything that's going on on the field are the people directly involved in the games not fans you can't change it you can't you know and people talk about tempting fate by mentioning or buying tickets for a super bowl for a team before the season starts. Like, you cannot impact your team you don't know who's going to get injured and who's not going to get injured and uh what who's going to have a great season and who's going to be a failure trust me i used to try to impact my team listening on the radio i i still yeah i got you i got you i still sometimes have to i catch myself i'm thinking no matter what you do john you can't change the outcome so just be you so anyway i i i looked at this whole thing with hanshin this season and it has really been a smooth ride if you think about it mm. as smooth as you can have uh i don't you know they haven't had uh, big injuries. They haven't had big slumps. In fact, they had when we thought maybe in, perhaps in the summer when they're supposed to have the road trip of death and go heading down, they went up. Yeah, you know, they, they won almost gear. every game. What's that? They've found high gear. Yeah. So as, uh, as they have in the past a couple of times. Yeah. So at every challenge this season, they have answered it. And I, I want to say they're going to be able to answer this challenge as well. So I'm going to pick the Tigers to win in seven. It's against my my heart because i really think the buffaloes are the better team and probably should win they have a deeper lineup they have the better ace level pitching uh the only thing i'm concerned about is the end the back of the bullpen at times but i i think the buffaloes can piece it together but it will be something like that where they in which they will have to piece it together but I, i'm gonna go with the tigers against my better judgment because they just look like a, the better team they played I'm like go with the season. buffaloes because uh i like i've a, I think they are a better team, and I think also that they play in a more competitive league, so that it, what they've done is a little more impressive. But not it's not a huge advantage, you know. It's uh, of course, as you know, the 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 team that's better could lose, you know, f- lose lose a seven game series for thirty percent of the time. So yeah, but well, I, I, but that's my that's my feeling is the the Buffaloes probably win it in six. All right. Well, you always say that you've gone with the Pacific League team in the last ten years. So yeah, pretty much. I'm, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, the, I actually knew what you were going to say. So yeah, I no surprise. You would. <laughs> I figured you would. But, but I, I mean, like I said, I really like the Buffaloes. I I can see them winning this thing in five, you know, six games. But I'm just going to take the Tigers because of what I've seen all season from this. Yeah, team. I'll tell you, it the Tigers. Really one of the things they do that I, they one of the things they do that I absolutely love is their pitchers don't they don't like that they don't like messing around with that walk stuff Mm. and sometimes Mm. you'll see these teams that are really really hitting their stride they're like right everything's working and this happened for the marines for a few years uh with bobby valentine basically the one thing the cornerstone of their game was not walking people and the tigers really have that and then, then they've got Yusuke Oyama, who's got to, you know, he's got to get his two walks every game. So they're <laughs> just because of that. And of course, sure, he'll strike out half the, t- you know, a third of the time when he's not walking, but he's on base all the time. And the, the Tigers uh, under Okada, they lack their, what they're lacking that they usually have is the deer in the headlights look. <laughs> you know, 
we're we're the tigers and there's so much pressure on us oh man we're we're so mess we're we're so outdone and they're <laughs> lacking that i i feel they are lacking that this year yeah yeah agreed agreed all right a couple of notes one uh the top performers i promised to deliver this week but i when i actually went and looked on the internet and saw when they're going to be announced it's october 24th which is tuesday so we won't be getting that and the other the other note is uh, toshiaki imae of the eagles uh will be taking over or he is a coach and he'll be taking over for kazuhisa Ishii as the manager and he's 40 years old and good grief he's so young it's just like you know 2005 when I took this job he was the big uh star for the marines who led that well he was the mvp of the 2005 japan well let me finish my sentence yeah that's where I was going yeah in the 2005 that's I'm sorry that's not in our rule book yeah, it's not in your rule book because you scratched it out. <laughs> oh, you talked over it. It's, yeah, actually, I see that. It's, got, it's covered over <laughs> Yeah, talked over it. But yes, when I took this job in 2005, he was the big Japan Series hero that, that the Tigers couldn't get him out. And uh, he's taking it. Just, he's too young. He's 40 years old. He's too young. So congratulations to him. That should be cool. And um, I didn't, I actually did hear the, the manager for the Hawks, who's going to be taking over for Fujimoto. And go, why don't you go th- do this one and I'll interrupt you. <laughs> Hashtag high heat. Okay. <laughs> so it's the guy, the guy who replaced Hiroshi Fujimoto on the farm team is now replacing him in the major leagues. Hiroki Kokubo. So we'll see. And he actually won the, he won the Western League pennant last year. So he's actually done something now. He's finished in two years as a manager uh of a of a real team he's he's finished second and first so that's as opposed good. to yeah all-star team <laughs> as opposed to the national the, the, the team, Japan when team he, yes. he was a bit of a disaster so right. so good for him good luck for him um i used to get along well with kokobo we haven't talked in a long time i don't know if we still get along yeah i it's funny all these managers that i knew as player i didn't get a chance to say hello to any of them i didn't nope. get a, i haven't seen I've yeah. been close enough to Daisuke Miura to talk to him to say congratulations. Same with uh, Arai in, at the Carp. Uh, same with Tatsunami with the Dragons. I've been around him and I wanted to talk to him. And then finally, same I with... just kind of gave up. And the last day I was at Cebu Dale and he walked over like that. And that was that. <laughs> he walked over and waved hi. Yeah, Matsui, I haven't had a chance to say congratulations to any of these guys. But uh, we did get our interviews in, which is good. So um we have to sit down and do an interview with one of these managers in which we get the interpreters to do the english for us and then uh, maybe try that because we haven't ever done that so and there's one more note uh dan serafini former Lotte marines pitcher arrested in connection to the murder of his father-in-law and yeah. i saw this news earlier and i'm like they, they they i saw it it came across as danny serafini and i'm like well wait a second and this is just weird. This is just weird. Well, he's 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 he was different. I mean, I talked to him a lot when he was with Lotte, and uh, he's different. If you want to read um, my Danny my Dan Serafini stories, click on my blog uh, for October twenty one, <laughs> two thousand twenty three, uh, because I have a I have a, a hint about how he, the police might have caught up with him. 
Okay. So, but he was a, yeah, he was a different kind of cat. And, uh, and I would say the one thing, the most noticeable thing about him was he was, you know, we've got players who are outspoken. He was one of those, but he'd be like, is it okay if one day I said, is it okay if we talk, we talk before you start, you're going to start today. He says, well, if I didn't want to talk to you, I wouldn't. Right. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah. he, that was a thing. He'd come in from the outfield and he'd sit and chat in the dugout for 15, 20 minutes. And I, I kind of think he did it to annoy the coaches. <laughs> I really do because he had a, he had a thing where he, if he wanted, if he, if he, there was somebody around whose buttons he wanted to push. He's going, he's, he's, he's <laughs> whack-a-mole on those buttons, buttons huh? <laughs> he's finding every button he can find in the dugout to push it because that's that that was his his thing. Well, so, that, yeah. this is weird. He's of course, you know, we have to let the legal process play mm. out, but it's just strange to me. And it is weird. It's the first uh, as I told my coworker, is the first uh, alleged murderer I've ever interviewed. <laughs> That you know of. <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. Although, although, yeah, I have a yeah. close connection with somebody who killed with who assassinated two people. But that's okay, I don't, we we need the details. Okay, that's Stop true. Yeah, that was that was probably more historical and stuff than people need on the podcast. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go to fielding questions. All right. Uh, Picking up from our buddy Dave in Baltimore, friend of the show, uh, via email, he said uh, he sent in a couple of questions, uh, actually four. And so we addressed the first two last week. And we're going to start with question three this week. And he says, regarding the conversation you and Jim had about the two new expansion teams for the farm leagues, wouldn't allowing those teams to sign an amateur player and sell him to an NPB team effectively allow the player to evade the draft? My gut feeling is that NPB added these teams simply to even up the leagues and are basically intending them to be Washington generals uh, for the farm teams. I would have been absolutely stunned if they allowed them to draft amateurs. Personally, I think NPB should have operated them as co-op teams and provided more playing opportunities to any players not on first-team rosters. Given that there's 40-something players on each team, plus the developmental players, I would imagine there's a bunch of guys who don't get to play much. 40-plus guys on the farm team is what he's saying. Yeah, 40-plus guys on the farm team. Right. Um, So, yeah, going back to the questions... Would this effectively, or the question in particular, would this effectively allow a player to evade the draft, Jim? Well, you know, we do, as I said, and I've written, we don't know what and how NPB plans to manage these teams. How what are going to be the rules in place? But it's it's not going to allow players to evade the draft because either NPB is going to make those NPB teams, and every player has to be on one kind of NPB contract or another, mm-hmm. which means they have to enter through the draft. Although they may, they may get, I, I could see where they would have dispensation to, I guess they could hold tryouts and sign former uh, NPB players who would of course not be connected with the draft. But I, my guess is that that one option is to uh, make, incorporate them into NPB 
any and let them draft, maybe draft last, maybe only draft developmental players, whatever. That so that's one. And part B is treat them like independent leagues, independent league teams who are playing in an NPB league, in which case their players cannot go to NPB except being drafted by other NPB teams, and they cannot have access to the NPB draft. So if the, if that second part that you're saying, that that would mean during in-season, you wouldn't be able to make a move. Nope. To a, a, a they an could, NPB team. Oh no no they could they could uh, they could they could uh, yeah no because if, if they're going to be That's drafted right. they they wouldn't be any in season moves and so that, that is that is correct they would essentially they could sign people they could sign people but they couldn't move their players straight to NPP unless they were former NPP players who'd already been through the draft. So so in my world I would imagine if if. For instance, uh, you have a half a season in which a, a player shows that he has some promise. Maybe there could be an in-season instead of the Rule 5 draft, as we've been referring to it, the, the Genki draft. What do we call it? The, uh, the I called it the second chance draft. The second chance draft that you uh, tabbed it yeah, as. Yeah, they could maybe, have a they maybe could have an in-season minor league draft. Or maybe an in-season uh, halfway or somewhere around the trade deadline draft in which you select a player if you are interested. So that could be a way around it, but it still has to be a draft. So that would be that, the way you would that is a, That is an option. That's what they did in America when um, MLB teams started partnering with minor league teams and they started forcing them to sell their players. Uh, you, you know, they started for saying, you know, you can't keep your players just because you want to operate a business. Who, <laughs> How who, dare who you? Made you? I know. Who made you think that... that that your little town deserves an independent team. <laughs> but I, I always say this is this is really going to be a compelling watch with the, with this uh, yes. the, these these additional teams. And I, but I think the ultimate goal is to create more teams in Japan. So as long as the team cannot circumvent the process and it's fair for all parties, I don't think player acquisition is really going to be an issue. I think it's more about no. building building rosters, uh, growing opportunities, and growing the game. So that, that I don't think that's a concern. But again, as Jim says, we have to find out what the parameters are going to be for this whole this whole thing. So Yeah, we'll my guess is see. the existing owners are going to try to make it as much like the Washington Generals, you know, playing opportunities for their guys. <laughs> right. Uh, the way MLB has always treated the Olympics as an opportunity for people, but we support the Olympics in the sense that we want our our little kids to go over there and play and experience. But don't bo uh, don't bother us with asking for MLB players. There you go. All right, and Dave's fourth question, and he said, "I realized recently that there's an impression in the U.S. that the Japanese view Vladimir Ballantine's single season home run record as tainted." because of the ball being juiced, is that accurate? My impression was that the record is viewed as legitimate, but no one wants to dwell on it, if for no other reason than they understand that while the 2013 ball might have been livelier than the 2011-12 to 12 ball, it was no means a lively ball. That is correct. The latter is correct. Okay. The 2011-2012 ball was was kind of a mistake it was a, it was this it for some for some reason they made a a 
error um Josuke Kato's team the first the, the commissioner's team who who did a wonderful thing and instituted a uniform ball in Japan so because I think because he was moved by Tony Barnett's story of having the nightmares that he practiced with the wrong baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he wanted to alleviate Tony's night sweats. So he introduced a uniform ball throughout NPB. But uh, <laughs> they made an error and they made the ball basically so that it would conform to the lowest. The norm would be the lowest level of permitted liveliness or, mm-hmm. you know the actually the 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 coefficient of restitution would be the lowest allowed and that would be the norm but if that's your norm if that's your target then right. half the balls are going to be below spec <laughs> and they ended up with a lot of balls that really you know they didn't bounce. Yeah, it's an average, right? It's, remember, it wasn't every ball; it was an average, right? Well, because no ball, no two balls are exactly alike. alike. So, mm-hmm. yeah, most of them would be close to the line, and a few of them would be better, but probably 30 percent of them would be uh, significantly deader than they were supposed to be. Right. And like I said, you would drop them, and they would stick to the floor. Right, stick to the floor. Well, I remember was it. Uh... Uh, Ryan Vogelsong used to say, if he gave up a hit and got the ball back, it was it was misshaped. After that, it was uh, no, it was oblong, it was triangular, it was in different different conditions. So he was saying that that, that, that was Ryan Vogelsong talking about the hits he gave up. <laughs> anyway, Dave, I, I don't know. This is a tricky line you want us to to walk because you're asking us what the view is from the United States of how the Japanese feel about it. And I think <laughs> the Japanese do not feel it is tainted. I do not think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that, but I don't think that that's the view in the States. I think some people in the States think that the Japanese people think it's tainted. So I don't know. I think people in America want to think it's tainted because how can Vladimir Valentin go over to America and hit, or go over to Japan and hit 60 home runs against pitchers who are ostensibly quite good? Yeah, in a, in fewer games. Yeah, and, yeah, and 130. <laughs> I think he played 113 games that year. Yeah. So yeah, or but, he knew, I mean, excuse me, he played I think 130 games. I think 30, he missed yeah, 30. 30 sounds better to me. Yes. Yeah. I I think big league teams generally frown at at whatever goes on over here typically in, in japan changed, that's, that's the first thing but yeah. it is changing and i think they do talk about you know the pitchers being a little bit better than they thought but they usually have disparaging or besmirching uh remarks toward the stadiums being small and that you know, the air being thin and and you know, the ball flying out of some of the parks and it's i mean it's a lot of unscientific undocumented claims uh, including the ball being juiced. And yeah, while it was livelier, I mean, we're talking about the difference between, uh, you know, a, 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 a corpse and, and a person who's on the table in the operating room. I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, it's just not that much different, you know. <laughs> right. Um, the 2000, uh, and of course, we don't know now because NPB has now followed the Rob Manfred uh, plan of let's see how much we can mess around with the ball. Before people get upset at people. Is that the Man- Manfred Man as opposed to Manfred Plan? <laughs> well, the Manfred Plan. The Manfred Man is the guy on second base in extra innings. Okay. The, and yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but they, I don't think they mess around it with it to the extent that MLB has. Mm-hmm. 
which is my 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 good friend Meredith Wills, who who documents collects balls from all over MLB parks and hit mm-hmm. by foul balls, and so she kind of knows. She has records sometimes of the balls used in games, and she had evidence to suggest that in 2022, toward the end of this, in the second half of the season, um, what MLB has been doing in recent years, and I'm I'm sorry, this is not about Japan, but this is something Japan hasn't done to my knowledge, is they know which group of, you know, every year the balls will be slightly different. Mm Mm-hmm. And they know some years ball, some years balls are livelier than others. And what they've been doing, it seems, is when they have a ball they know is quite lively, they don't. They, what they used to do is just use them all up, and then they'd use the next balls. Okay, if these were livelier than the others, or deader than you know, so what? It was random, right? MLB now has been apparently holding on to livelier balls. Okay. And these resurfaced in a lot of Yankees games in the second half of the 2022 season. Mm, Conspiracies. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So they were, so these balls that were like two or three years old that were fairly lively were ending up in a lot of Yankees games. And, and, well, it seems like that year the Yankees must have been throwing those balls as opposed to being thrown those balls. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think there's a, there's a clear reason why that might have happened. And I, and I think watching Shohei Otani in June and July. Yeah, that was, I had to wonder with the number of home runs being hit by everybody and the Angels and every team they were playing that. MLB wasn't reaching into its stock of lively balls mm. because it's, uh, you know, that that's news. Yeah. And that was the year judge hit that uh, American. It was record. the year judge hit the yeah. 50, 56 home runs. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, again, you know, sometimes the U.S. gets gets onto a topic and does a pit bull and just locks onto it and just doesn't let it go and tries to rip it apart. But I, I'm not sure. I think it's a little overstated that the ball was juiced in the first place here in Japan. And no, uh, it was changed, but it was yeah. a really good. I think everybody really liked the yeah. 2013 ball. They yeah, were just upset that it was changed surreptitiously. Yeah, we got to sometimes get out there and reclaim the truth sometimes when when stuff gets away so yeah i don't think that was the case all right uh thank you very much dave the uh, next question is from james in houston gosh this is so awesome it's an mp3 that's a good question hey john and jim thanks for your hard work on the show i'm looking at the espn article with the headline japanese high school phenom rintaro sasaki skips npb will play ncaa baseball goes on to say he's the high school career home run record holder did not submit his application for the npb draft uh said he stated his intention to play american college baseball uh, vanderbilt rumored to be his top choice in nashville tennessee which is an excellent program here uh, sasaki is the consensus top prospect among japanese high school players and was a presumed favorite to be picked first in the upcoming mpp draft and also that he went to the same high school as shohei otani and last thing it mentions is that he potentially could have problems engaging in an nil deal uh due to name image and like likeness due to his uh student visa status so my question is, do you, do you see this becoming a trend? I mean, it says that there's no real precedent for this. I know the NIL, if they can get that worked out, is really attractive. 
attractive. There's a lot of players here making you know large sums of money uh, in American college athletics through the NIL uh, that that was recently you know approved. And uh, I, I know in the past we've had a lot of um, Aussie rules football players come to America to be collegiate punters uh, in American football teams. So I'm just curious, you know, again, there's not much precedent for. I'm curious if you think this becomes a trend or if this is a one-off and how it's going to work out for uh, uh, Rintaro Sasaki. Thanks for all the hard work. Uh, Rintaro Sasaki. So I had a conversation with a guy in our office. I got him to listen to our uh, to our podcast, but he likes the, the high school baseball and the high school tournament. So he came up to me afterward and he said, hey, John, you got a big hole in your podcast. You're not talking about the, the high school uh, tournament. I said, our podcast is about pro baseball. And the only time we really talk about these high school players is going to be, and what a great time to mention it, Thursday when the draft goes down here in Japan. And that's coming up on October 26th. Mm. So, uh, but this two things, I guess this is this is really not new. Uh, it might be new in that Sasaki is going to go to a college, but we have, there. there this is uh, our, our poor author of this article, because I looked at it too, I did see the same article when I woke up that morning, and the, I think maybe about 10, 12 days ago, but uh, I did see the same article and I read it and, he, and it said unprecedented. And I'm like, that, that's not true. This, not the only thing that's unprecedented is that we know this guy because we've, we've there have been so many players who have decided to go to the States to play in some form or fashion, whether it be high school or a college or try to start their careers over there as professionals. In fact, you might recall Shohei Otani was about to do the same thing, except he was going to start his career in the minor leagues and try to work his way up to the major leagues. But uh, remember Makoto Suzuki? Suzuki left as a pitcher from high school and went to the Seattle Mariners organization and pitched in that organization. Oh, Max Suzuki, yes. Well, Makoto is his name, and he went by Mac when he went over there, yes. Right. But uh, yeah, because I, I, I got to do an interview with him in, what was this, 95, 96, somewhere around there when he was over there with the Mariners AAA affiliate. And that was cool. We Tacoma. did a telephone in. What's that? Tacoma? Tacoma Rainiers. General. Rainiers. Okay, that's it. So um, thank you. So uh, so I, I just think this guy is, is you know, it's it's happening now and it seems like it's more high profile because this guy has a bunch of home runs but if he's going to play and i guess he'll make buster only really proud because he's going to vanderbilt but i i can't see a freshman going into vanderbilt and, and playing anything getting any grass time because that's a really high level program i think he's gonna start uh if there is a jv team or he might be starting by sweeping the sweeping out the dugouts because he's not going to play next year i don't think no, but they'll have a jv team sure we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see how he does but there's this, this, this just there are lots of examples of guys who go over and do this now the nil thing that you mentioned is something that's new and in fact one of the guys who helped push for this nil uh thing was uh, charles o'bannon who played basketball here in japan for years and he went to UCLA, he was a star there, and he ended up playing basketball here in Japan. And we talked about that NIL situation. This was when I took this job. So this is back in 2006 or seven. And he kept talking about the fact that name, image, and likeness are used by uh, the colleges to make money. But the players themselves, whose name, images, and likeness are being used, don't get any money. So for example, they use promos and even once Charles O'Bannon, he had left the school and he wasn't even playing there anymore. And they were using images of him and doing promos. So 
uh, what he told me. So uh, that I don't think is going to change because I think that's a visa issue. And so you can't really, if you're going there on a student visa, you, you really can't work. And I don't, it's not something that NCAA can go and change. If this is, this has to do with visa laws and all that stuff. So I'm not sure that that's going to change, but the idea of a, of a guy going over to play, um, God, what's that kid's name? Uh, there's a kid playing basketball with, uh, uh, with, he actually played with the national team this year and his name is Keisei Tominaga, I think his name is, uh, Casey Tominago with Nebraska, yeah. Nebraska, and he played, and this kid has become like almost legendary with his three-point shooting in the States, And uh, but he went over there to play. And there's, like I said, there, there are examples of this in, in various sports across the sports landscape here. I don't think this is, this is new. It's just something that made ESPN's rate, that hit ESPN's radar because the kid has a lot of home runs. But I'm not sure that this is... Uh, going to be that big a deal and we'll have to see if he actually plays next year at all jim wow that's quite a lot yeah uh, sorry the, the, <laughs> no fine i i'm mr digression so no go go for it the uh a couple of things one is the the quote unquote home run record is the home is the record like my home run record you didn't know i have one well, I do. And yeah, how many times did you run home from the bullies? That's what your home run home. Well, my record. home rec- run record is, you know, is, is set in my living room. You know, it includes practice games, and <laughs> it's one of these records that is going to be broken a lot because they can break it anytime they like. Anytime a news organization wants to tout somebody as holding the record, they have a new one. Gotcha. So it's uh, flexible, and Japan likes records for headlines rather than for, you know, to get clicks on the internet rather mm-hmm. than for measurement or clarity. Mm-hmm. It's just nonsense. So, but he is he is a quite a power hitter, a high school power hitter. That's not that's not uh, at that's not in dispute. Uh, what is interesting to me. Is yeah, the NIL thing was interesting, but I'm not so concerned with that because I hadn't even considered it. Yeah, I don't but, think it's a factor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what is interesting is it opens doors for Rintaro Sasaki that would be closed if he went to a Japanese university. One, he can get a really good education. <laughs> Two, because if he let's say he goes to Vanderbilt, let's say he, he learns a lot playing baseball and he becomes pretty darn good at playing baseball, which is a possibility. Uh, he could, for example, he could go, he could sign a contract with his with an MLB team after his junior year. I think it's actually after his sophomore year. Okay. But after a couple of years. Or he could enter the NPB draft if he wanted. He could choose. Now, NPB can only take uh, players who are still in college after they're f- in their fourth year, but those are Japanese colleges. Mm. So, although the, it might, I you know, I, I think overseas players are not limited by that. Of course, he's technically not an overseas player, but he's also... I'll have to check on that. Actually, they might say that. Oh, well, if he's in a U.S. university, he's still a fourth-year pl- 
player and, he, and he's eligible for the draft. He can't do so. It might open that door to coming to back to Japan and then continuing his education through distance education at Vanderbilt or wherever. Uh, he could go. He could go to MLB. He could do a variety of things. It gives him a lot of options in addition to getting an education, which is something I think we should not <laughs> sneer at. No, not at all. I mean, you know, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen is he goes over there, he becomes really, really good in English, he really learns lots of stuff in school, mm-hmm. he becomes a really good baseball player, and the worst thing that could happen is he comes back and he gets an extremely good job playing for a, a big-shot Japanese corporate league team where he's making really good money playing baseball a few times a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to me, that's kind of a good thing. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. I'm not worried about ML ML what happens to MLB. I could not give a fig. But I, I hope that I think having lots of options is always a good thing. And he could do something really re- and with those options, he could do he could be in a sense like another Shohei Otani and do something people completely are not expecting. Mm. Mm. So and it, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that uh, this is going to start a, 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 an exodus. Like I said, there already have been players doing this. Sure. Maybe not going to colleges, but I, I don't know that there are that many players or young people who are that courageous enough to just go over mm. to a U.S. college anyway. You know, they're few and far between. You know, I thought I thought Kotaro Kiyomi, there was a little talk that he might go to college in the States. Mm hmm. Um, but in fact, I heard Arizona state was like trying to get him, but, uh, yeah, that's possible. But but yeah, the number of people is, is going to be limited, but again, it's, it's a, it's a different course. And of course, somebody said, well, he's not going to face the competition in NCAA that he would in NPB. And that's true too, but he'll learn different things. Sure. He's not going to face the speed. in npb that he'd face in u.s college ball correct correct so that's something you can get used to at a very young age uh that most npb players cannot you got it all right i can't believe we talked this long wow we didn't even have an interview this this week so we gotta wrap it up here but uh, we have some more questions on deck which uh we will get to in the coming weeks uh glenn you're on deck Eugene, you're still up on deck, and we've got a couple others, so we will get to those as soon as we can. I told Eugene we have never not addressed a question that we've received on JBW. We, we haven't gotten to it in a timely fashion sometimes, but we have answered every question, and we will continue to do so. Okay, so, so you listener who asked, what is the meaning of life? Keep hanging in there. All righty. Jim's got funnies. <laughs> so anyway, send us your question on twitter.com with the hashtag high heat to at JBW podcast. Uh, also send MP3s or just write your question and send it via email to Y-A-K-Y-U-J-O-H-N at gmail.com or go to the Facebook page and hit us up there. And remember, we're on iTunes, but Google podcasts will be discontinued after this year so uh, i suggest or i recommend rss radio as a really good podcatcher and player uh to replace the google podcast if you're using that to listen to us 
But like I said, we're still on iTunes and hopefully we can clear up the fact that there are two accounts on iTunes. We can clear that up in the off season. But until then, enjoy your Japan series. See you at those ballparks in the Kansai. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBall Allen. Submit your questions with hashtag high heat and listen for an answer in an upcoming episode.